Welcome to the Primal Blueprint Podcast, featuring fresh and lively commentary on all things Primal, including Q&A sessions with Primal Blueprint founder, Mark Sisson, special guest interviews hosted by Mark Sisson, and conversations with Primal Blueprint authors and other health and fitness experts. The show is presented by Damage Control, Master Formula, the world's most potent multivitamin, mineral, antioxidant, anti-aging supplement. Available at primalblueprint.com. Past episodes are available for download or to review written summaries at blog.primalblueprint.com. And now, here's your host, Brad Kearns. Welcome to the Primal Blueprint Podcast, and we have a triple threat today with our main man, sound engineer, and the voice of the Mark Stanley Apple podcast, Brock Armstrong. Thanks for coming on, Brock. Thanks. In Canada, we call this a hat trick. A hat trick (laughs) and a very special guest, Rhonda Collier from Sweetwater Health, makers of the incredible Sweetbeat Life HRV monitoring system application. Rhonda, thanks so much for coming on to talk about HRV today. Oh, thank you so much for having me. Um, so you, we know that Brock is uh, one of your favored guys. He's one of your, he's one of your foot soldiers that's really <laughs> deeply into this. And Brock, um, you know, you got Mark and I extremely interested in this concept and sent us all the links and inter- introduced us to Rhonda and and Sweet Beat Life. So um, I thought today that uh, we could have a quick moving discussion that will first welcome new people to this concept and just get a baseline understanding of what HRV is. You can also go read the two excellent blog posts that have appeared on Mark's Daily Apple recently, and then try to progress quickly into some of the techie stuff that's extremely fascinating and interesting. And so my vision is that uh, the new person can listen to this podcast, get started with the program, and then go back and, and use the, uh, the show as a reference when some of the stuff that's moving too quickly and maybe over their head right now when we're talking about high frequency, low frequency, but pretty soon it'll make good sense and they'll understand how important it is to monitor this stuff, understand and integrate it into their training and lifestyle decisions. So with that, Brock and Rhonda, why don't we set the stage for someone who has never heard of HRV. What is this stuff all about? Well, I think, uh, like you mentioned, Mark did a fantastic job of summing up the heart rate variability in a couple of the Mark's Daily Apple posts. So that'd be a fantastic place to uh, to start as well, just like you mentioned. But I think um, the easiest way to explain heart rate variability would be to dive headfirst into the autonomic nervous system, wouldn't you say, Rhonda? That sounds good. Okay, so first of all, I guess, what is the autonomic nervous system? What's it there for? Well, the autonomic nervous system is part of your nervous system. You have the central (laughs) nervous system, yeah, which controls everything and keeps your body going. Um, And then you have the autonomic nervous system, which is a branch, if you will, of the central nervous system. And the autonomic nervous system then itself has two branches, Okay. Yeah. The sympathetic branch or fight or flight. And then the parasympathetic or rest and and repair branch. And so the the sympathetic, the the autonomic nervous system just keeps your body going. It causes your blood pressure to remain um, at its optimal level. It controls your digestion without you thinking about it. It controls your temperature. Um, it, it, It is one of several 
impulses that mediate your heart rate. So it's really just kind of our uh, autopilot, if you will. Yeah, yeah. Very cool. Yeah. So it's yeah. not something we have to think about on a on a daily basis, or it's not something that we often think about, but maybe we should actually pay a little closer attention to it. Indeed, indeed, because our thoughts and emotions can affect the autonomic nervous system. So we've got the sympathetic nervous system, and then we've got the parasympathetic side of things. And I think a lot of the time, we villainize one and sort of laud the other one. Um, and that's sort of incorrect. We need both in a in a careful balance, don't we? That's right. Absolutely. Absolutely. And when those go way out of balance, that's when we have the problems. And that's when we start to see the heart rate variability um, start to drop. So I guess maybe we should uh, now we should probably explain what heart rate variability is at its most most base level. OK, um, well, when you think of your heartbeat, um, let's say your heart rate is 60 beats per minute. Yeah, that makes it easy. Yeah. It makes it really easy. Um, a lot of people think that it beats at one second intervals like a metronome. Okay. Yeah. Actually, that's not true. And that would be very extremely unhealthy. It actually beats at something like, say, 0.92 seconds, 0.98 seconds, 1.03 seconds, 1.08, which comes out to an average of one second. intervals or 60 beats per minute. Okay. So this natural variation of your beat to beat times is heart rate variability. Okay. Yeah. Now heart rate variability can be measured by multiple ways. Okay. Okay. So let's, let's say my heart beats at 60 beats per minute and my intervals are 0.92, 0.94, 1.03, you know, and so on. What you end up with, with is this list of what we call RR intervals, okay? That's the beat-to-beat intervals. And RR intervals is something when you start digging into uh, HRV, you'll want to know. You'll want to know what that is. And the RR refers to part of the sine wave? Actually, it refers to the points on an EKG. Oh, that's right. So if you picture an EKG, there's all these, these bumps. And the big spike which is the, the sort of the defining uh, uh, part of an EKG. That's where the little EKG machine on all the movies goes, beep. That's beep, right. That's right. Beep. But an EKG has labels, and it, and it, it has to do with when each uh, chamber of the heart opens and closes and pumps, okay? And they're labeled QRST, okay? okay? And so the R is that famous peak where you hear the beep on, on the medical uh, TV mm-hmm. shows, Okay. So that's where the R comes from. Okay, so that's the one that we're measuring, the distance between. Right, that's right, that's right. So it's the RR intervals. And so what you end up with is when you're measuring your heartbeat for five minutes is, you know, approximately 300 numbers, 0.92, 0. 0.98, 0. 0.03, and so on. So that's your RR interval time series. Okay. Okay. And so there are multiple ways to measure the heart rate variability. One is through simple statistics. So you've got this time series and what's the standard deviation, okay? Um, And a lot of people are familiar with basic statistics. Um, What is the root mean square, you know, and so on. So this is one way to measure HRV, okay? Um, Another way is to take this time series and run what's called a frequency analysis, Okay. Okay. And so this is the kind of analysis that gives us insight into the autonomic nervous system. 
And it turns out that what's called low frequency is the fight or flight or sympathetic branch. Okay. And what's called high frequency is the parasympathetic or rest and repair branch. Okay. Okay. So this is where they tie together. This is where HRV and the autonomic nervous system become one. That's right. Um, because the sympathetic nervous system or fight or flight speeds the heart up and the parasympathetic uh, arrest and repair branch slows the heart down. Okay. And so these two are at sort of a constant tug of war, if you will, um, to help mediate the heartbeat. Or at least they should be. They should be. So, for example, when you're lying down and stand up, your heart rate should increase because it has to now pump blood um, against gravity up to your head. Mm-hmm. Okay. And so that's what, where the sympathetic should kick in and then it should, um, and your heart rate should increase and then it should come right back to normal very quickly. Okay. So that's a healthy, elastic nervous system and a high HRV. Okay. okay. You want a high HRV versus a lot of athletes that are listening to this. Oh, you want your sort of low resting yeah. heart rate. You want a high heart rate variability because it's an indication of a robust, elastic, and resilient nervous system. Uh, Rhonda Brock, so just to paint this picture very clearly and emphasize this point because it is counterintuitive. It is. We've always thought in that, in that single dimension of getting that resting heart rate lower and lower and or getting your heart rate up into the workout zone and that's an entire let, let's put that subject aside for a moment where your heart rate in beats per minute is what it is if you're resting it's 60 beats a minute if you're working out it's 150 but inside that that 60 beats per minute what we want to see in a well-trained heart a healthy person is more variation is better so if you're beating every half second at one at one measurement and then every one and a half seconds another time, that's a sign of your parasympathetic and your sympathetic working in sort of, you called it a tug of war. So it's sort of a harmonious tug of it's war. It's a friendly tug of war. It's a right. very friendly tug of war. Got it. Okay. So regardless of what you're, 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 you're beating at rates per minute, we're talking about the variation of those beats per minute indicating health. And so someone who's, what do you call them, sick or less fit or ill or whatever is going to be more metronomic with their heartbeat rather than variating. That's it, right. It could just be super stressed out, too. You don't even need to be showing any, any uh, symptoms, like don't have well, heart disease or, uh, or an illness of any sort. Yeah, so speaking of that... Um, when you commence that workout and you go from your nice resting heart rate that you check in bed in your 40s and you're so fit and then you get onto the bike and you're you're pegged at 155 on a hill what happens to heart rate variability under those circumstances oh well that's and that's a great question for everyone to be really clear on your heart rate variability tanks okay and this is normal because now you've got beat-to-beat -beat intervals that don't have a lot of room for variation, okay? So there's a couple of points there. The other one is that while you uh, start exercising, you've got to increase blood flow. You've, you've got to increase the – in order to uh, provide blood to the muscles and everything that's needed for you to do your workout, your heart rate needs to increase. And so, therefore, the sympathetic nervous system kicks in. And that's okay? appropriate and good and necessary. That's right. That's right. And your HRV will go really low. It could go – um, so Sweet Beat Life has a scale from zero to a hundred. 
you know, it could go to 30 while you're at, with your heart rates at 150 and your LF, let's say, um, Brad, your numbers were 1500, 1800 or something. Um, your LF and HF can go to 80 during the workout. Right. So you know? we're talking about the difference between a resting uh, measurement. And so That's you guys right. recommend getting this baseline established where the individual wakes up every morning in a calm, relaxed state, laying in bed, and gets that baseline measured every day. So That's right. Uh, That's if right. you're seeing, you know, let's say someone sees a pattern of HRV measurements in the 60 to 70 range usually, then the same person during the workout will drop down to 30s or whatever you talked about. And that, yeah, that whatever it is. And, and don't quote my numbers, um, but because they're going to be different for every person. But people should be aware and know that it's completely normal for your HRV to tank while you're working out. I guess the heart's too busy trying to get you up the hill. It doesn't That's have right. to... Doesn't That's feel exactly like bothering right. with uh, variation in the beat intervals. That's right. That's right. Um, an interesting point, though, is that uh, at a certain point during your workout, the parasympathetic kicks in. And even though that's once again a little counterintuitive, um, I believe, and there's some research that sort of speculates at this, it's because your heart will beat out of your chest and go out of control mm-hmm. <laughs> um, if the parasympathetic doesn't come in and start mediating. The increase in the heartbeat. So the body steps in at a certain point and says, okay, this is getting out of hand. We got to calm down a little bit. And it happens to be around the aerobic to anaerobic threshold. Oh, so that, uh, that crossover point. Yeah. Which is incredibly interesting and relevant to the endurance athletes out there. Cause, um, you know, I spent my entire career, um, cognizant of that crossover point as being probably, the most important variable to dictate the nature of my workouts. And so we talk about with Phil Maffetone's work, the maximum aerobic heart rate. And that's a heart rate that's designated to be the point where maximum aerobic benefits occur with a minimum amount of anaerobic stimulation. And for a long distance athlete, it's extremely important to stay in the aerobic zone because the intended purpose of the workout is to build endurance and to not get into high stress or risk of chronic mode that we talk about so much by uh, routinely bumping into anaerobic zone for a sprint to the stop sign or uh, just not paying attention at the end of your workout and drifting your heart rate too high. So if there's a way to identify that through low frequency, high frequency uh, graph Boy, that's a huge, important tool for the athlete. Well, I've seen it myself, I want to point out. And, and I'm, we haven't studied a lot of people on this, but the couple that we have, you can actually, I get on the elliptical at the gym, for example. And when I start working out, um, the simple stress bar, which goes from a relaxed blue to, a, to through a green, yellow, orange, and red in Sweet Beat Life, and it's real time, um, will be pegged at red, obviously, while I start my workout because the sympathetic nervous system has kicked in and I'm, I am stressed physically. Mm-hmm. And then when I become on that aerobic to anaerobic zone, it backs off to yellow. So I can see it in real time um, when that happens. Cool. Yeah, it is cool. So that's your your nervous system trying to regulate the stress of the workout, trying to calm you down because you're working that hard. 
Yeah, that's right. Wow. That's right. And I feel yeah, like that's, that's pretty cool. Well, I think all runners at least have been aware of that. And I think swimmers feel the same way too. When you start off a, a run or an effort, you, the first like two miles is always the hardest. And then all of a sudden you sort of get into that. You feel a little more calm. You feel a little more everything's okay. And then you could feel like you could run forever yeah. at a certain point. And that's probably that crossover. Yeah, it could be. It could be. Um, we'd have to study that, but yeah, no, we've, and it's not just me. We've had customers write in and say, Hey, I noticed my workout that, you know, I was red where I expected to be. And then suddenly it went into yellow. And so some of our customers are seeing that. And we're like, congratulations, you discovered the aerobic to anaerobic zone. (laughs) (laughs) So I think you mentioned something a little, little while ago that I don't want to gloss over. We've been throwing around a lot of numbers talking about like an HRV of 60 or 80 or or one of those, and it's between zero and a hundred. And you mentioned something along along the way that you shouldn't, um, that there isn't sort of a, a number that you should be shooting for, that it's a very specific, a very personal thing. That's right. And I want to just really emphasize this, um, especially for people that are training other people to really understand that everyone's going to have their individual range. Okay. And as you do your morning, um, we call it the HRV for training feature in Sweet Beat Live. Mm-hmm. As you do your daily morning session while you're laying in bed, you'll start to see your range. Okay. And your coaches will, will uh, be advised to learn your range. Okay. And so that can be anywhere from um, someone who's around a thousand. These are some LF and HF numbers mm. and an HRV of say 72 all the way up to someone with an HRV of 98 and, you know, LF and HF numbers around 5,000. Wow. Okay. Um, one is not necessarily better than the other. Hmm. It's just your individual range. Now, there's a lot of this stuff that's very counterintuitive, isn't it? Yeah. Yeah, you don't want to compare. There are numbers that do become concerning. For example, if your LF is always, while you're laying in bed, if your LF is always 20 times higher than your HF, Mm. that's a problem. Or if your HRV is always around 50, um, yeah. So we have have information online for things that you, you can look at to see, you know, if you're in the healthy zone. And then if you fall below some numbers, um, that would be um, some concern, maybe some adrenal fatigue going on with you. Or if you see your range, say you've been using, you know, HRV for six months and then suddenly your normal numbers start drifting down. That would be something to take a look at what you've been doing. Interesting. So you're always you're always looking at a ratio of LF to HF. Not the numbers in particular. And the numbers in particular. You're looking at both. Yeah, so great question. So there's there's a couple things you're looking at. One is the HRV number, which is a measure of your vagal tone. Um, The vagus nerve is the 10th of 12 cranial nerves that is a big mediator of the heartbeat. And that in particular research shows is what you can measure that gets fatigued when you overtrain. Mm. Okay, so that's the HRV number. Then we have the LF, which once again, for your listeners, is the sympathetic nervous system, and HF, which is the parasympathetic nervous system. Um, we want to look at the ratio of those, okay? So you can see if you're in fight or flight overdrive. And we also look at the number itself, 
which is an indication, if you will, of the amplitude of the electrical signal flowing through the nervous system. That's sort of a, a simplistic way to, to describe that. That was fantastic. Everybody should just rewind about 30 seconds and listen to that again. <laughs> that basically <laughs> summed it up really, really well right there. Generally speaking, uh, the importance of this or the relevance of this to a fitness person as well as someone who's just trying to manage stress of daily life and doesn't have ambitious athletic goals. But speaking from the athletic perspective for a moment, I want to make informed training decisions. And what I uh, experienced in my career as a professional racing on the triathlon circuit was um, the big mistakes happened when I woke up and felt great by just that general uh, uh, subjective measurement of I woke up, I'm wide awake, my legs feel good, and I'd go out and push myself to a challenging session. And then a few days later, I would, uh, you know, experience burnout. And it was because I was in a heightened fight or flight state, a prolonged fight or flight state, and in an overtraining or a chronic pattern that we talk about so much. And therefore, um, the decision to go and push myself just because I was amped up was at the expense of my long-term health and progress. So the HRV tracking, when you get that baseline and see a trend of lower than normal HRV numbers, what does that mean? It means that you're, uh, you've, if you're an athlete, you've probably pushed it too hard, okay? Though it can also mean that you're having other stressors in your life. So it's really it's really important to not only look at what's going on in your workout, but also to look uh, what's going on in your life. Um, is work? Are you working twelve hours a day and doing your workouts and have your family and kids? That's too much. Um, so what is something going on in your family? Is there emotional stress? But all of this still contributes to um, ultimate recovery for your workout. So definitely want to you want to look at it really from a holistic point of view and see what's going on for yourself. Yeah, that's a really interesting point. A good point to to keep in mind too is looking at everything as a whole. Not and I think Mark talks about that a lot in Mark's Daily Apple is not isolating different parts of your life and thinking you can compartmentalize your life into these are my workouts, this is my workday, this is my family, but everything contributes to your your health and well being and especially your nervous system. Yeah, what comes to mind um, on that point is there's a lot of uh, triathletes that, and endurance, you know, just everything, that have a job, have a family, and so they feel like they have to go work out when they have time. Yeah. And so I don't have the answer for that, um, but measuring their HRV and knowing how they're doing could at least um, help guide them into the intensity of the workout. We, I understand that they only ha have like Sunday afternoon to go do their, you know, 10 mile run or whatever they're doing, but how hard are you going to push it? I think would be really important for that. I've actually found that there's a, a bit of an opposite reaction as well, where I have a day that I think is going to be really hard on my nervous system is going to really, uh, really push my HRV down. But I'll find the next morning when I take my reading that that's not true. And it just makes me uh, makes me feel that much better about getting out there and having a great day. Yeah, yeah. No, the objective measure is just so important. Um, I do want to mention that uh, about the brain, because it's important for people who start measuring it and see that they're sort of chronically in fight or flight. 
um, they don't feel stressed. Mm. And that's because the, br- the brain is a giant pattern matcher and a filter, okay? And what it does is if it recognizes something, it filters it out, okay? Mm. That's because otherwise it would be overloaded with the sensories. You know, you don't feel your clothing on your skin. You don't usually feel the chair you're sitting on. Um, You're not hearing all the sounds. So what the brain does is filter all that out so that you can focus on what's important for you. And so what happens is, is when you're um, in a chronic stress or fight or flight state, that becomes familiar. Mm -hmm. And so the brain filters it out. Ooh. And you might feel relaxed, but you're in a just this chronic state of, of of stress and fight or flight. And it shows up in sort of absent-mindedness. We had a customer that um, uh, had a very low HRV and very high uh, fight or flight and um, went on this long bike ride after a 12-mile run the day before after he was already fatigued and came home from the bike ride and drove into the garage with his car on top. I mean, with his bike on top, snap, snap. <laughs> um, Rhonda, his that's bike. normal for triathletes. <laughs> that happens. That happens. That happens once every two or three years. Um, but I, I don't think anyone can top my friend Kevin, <laughs> who uh, got up really early for race morning and loaded his bike onto the rack inside his garage and then backed out of oh. the garage with the bike on. Oh, uh, yeah, <laughs> oh. that's a new record. I mean, I know you forget about your bike on top. That happens all the time. Um, but I just want to super emphasize that point because and it's a whole other topic to talk about the stress response, the cortisol, the, how the fight or flight response works in the body. But you can be functioning really well. You can be alert and energized and even happy if you are just happen to be in a high work mode where your startup is about to go public and so you're grinding out those 14-hour days and training for the marathon and all these things are happening. And, and you wake up and you feel rested and energized and great. But what you're doing is you're literally running on fumes. And now, like you said, finally, we have an objective measuring, measuring tool to provide a red flag for you to realize that, hey, man, this ain't going to work for long term. And you're headed for inevitably toward burnout if you want to keep burning fumes and doing those back-to-back uh hard workouts when you're when you're already under a tremendous amount of stress i guess yeah on that that sort of leads me to say so what the heck can we do if we have a chronically low hrv or we notice that our lf is constantly high or low frequency is constantly much higher than our hf there's a lot right. of performance-enhancing drugs that can help you, Brock. <laughs> uh, excuse me. No. Let's ask Rhonda the answer. Um, you know what? The, the first thing we say is breathe. Yeah. I it's love that. So that's actually part of the, that's part of the Sweet Beat app. Is the yeah, there's, a, there's a breath pacer. Brock's going to put some sound effects in right now for that. <sighs> yes. You can actually program Sweet Beat Life to... Uh, alert you when you go into high stress mode Mm. and it will open up a breath pacer. Okay. And the, the, uh, research shows that if you inhale and exhale at a one to two ratio, so say you inhale three seconds, exhale six seconds, Mm. those long exhales actually, um, induce parasympathetic activity. Okay. Yeah. And so Deep breathing with long exhales 
um, can get you out of a bind in the moment. For example, if you've got a big meeting or a speech or something and you feel yourself getting nervous, go in and do some deep breathing with the long exhales to the Sweet Beat Life breath pacer. Mm. Um, also, getting used to doing even a five-minute meditation, moving to like 10 minutes every day um, for those who are so inclined. And it's super hard. And even if you can't keep your mind still, to just sit daily and do these deep breathings with the long exhales. And this starts retraining the nervous system, okay? Mm. And then it, you, once it, then it becomes sort of subconscious when your body starts feeling stress. <sighs> That's why people sigh naturally. Oh, yeah. Okay, and it's these, <sighs> um, often when they're exacerbated. And so we also recommend, um, we've done some studies on this, and there's also research, uh, clinical research on this is yoga. So even if you can do yoga once a week and really get it into your schedule, pick a class that works with your schedule for the most part and go do yoga once a week has shown, you know, in six weeks, we've got HRV going, uh, really having some, some substantial increase wow. and a lot more balance in the nervous system. Uh, and I'll put a plug out for those, those badasses that are so into their uh, heavy duty training, maybe not so inclined to meditation, breathing drills or yoga. If you just kind of eliminate the high stimulatory environment and let you know let the chips fall accordingly you can probably uh, recalibrate and, and reduce your stress level and what I mean by that is for example in in, um, in training um, I achieved a breakthrough in my in my racing career when I started training more frequently by myself rather than in packs because even if you're exhausted, whatever, and you show up for a group ride, you're immediately going to get that, that cortisol burst, that fight or flight response when you're in the mix with other athletes. Similarly, at nighttime, when if, if you were in a dark, quiet, calm environment, you might get sleepy and go to sleep. But if you fire up that laptop and blast that um, high-intensity screen projection into your central nervous system, you're going to get another uh, stress boost, and it's going to be represented with these lifestyle behaviors in a lowered HRV, a high, highly stressed situation. So there's all kinds of ways to get away from the uh, chronic fight-or-flight state. Well, and, and Brad, you just brought up a very important uh, point, which is getting good sleep. Mm. getting enough good sleep and getting quality sleep. Okay, so that's that's another piece to this whole puzzle that's huge. Um, people, you know, in our culture just aren't getting enough sleep. And the sleep they are getting isn't deep. They're thinking about things. And so as you come to your sort of end of your sleep cycles, you're waking up, um, you know, sort of looking at the clock. And even if you're not laying awake, you're not getting like three sleep cycles without waking up. And so, yeah, and learning really what your body needs and being honest about it, I will say proudly that I do well on nine hours of sleep. And that's just the way it's always been for me. Um, and so, you know, I hear people going, well, I only need four hours of sleep. And it's mm -hmm. like, really? So there's sort of this machismo, if you will, um, or machisma <laughs> <laughs> of not needing much sleep. And so super important. Well, Brad, what do you get? You get like 10 hours, don't you, a night? Yeah, I... I told people this at PrimalCon that I, I, I realized that, um, you know, and I'm such a, 
I'm such a wimp when it comes to these things, but dating back to, you know, being an athlete and having my entire existence wrapped around being recovered for the next workout. And during that uh, nine-year period that I race on the circuit, I slept literally for half of that time. I, I slept half of my triathlon career. I slept 10 hours a night, and I took a two-hour nap every afternoon. And then soon after I was done racing, we had a couple little kids. I went down to probably getting that seven or eight interrupted. And now I realize um, that, you know, going over nine and shooting for 10 is where I land. And it might not be that I'm just this this strange outlier like Rhonda that needs more sleep. It might be that everyone's that way if they just shut the lid of their laptop and allowed themselves to get tired rather than constantly stimulated by the Netflix queue and and whatever else is uh, blasting into their eyeballs after it gets dark outside. I absolutely agree with you. I was in a band for 10 years and all we did was travel around. So I basically didn't sleep for almost 10 years. So I'm still working on getting my sleep back in, uh, in some sort of semblance of order. I'm up to about seven hours now and I can tell you, I feel so much better. I rarely get a cold. Everything just seems to be falling into, into line, even though I'm only at like seven hours. Compared to the dude. two I used to get. Dude, but the band's falling apart now, dude. <laughs> yeah. I want to point you. out that it's during this, the sleep cycles and specifically the deep sleep that the parasympathetic does its repair. Okay. So yeah. we've done overnight sessions and your listeners are welcome to do an overnight session that works with Sweet Beat Life. Um, you'll see your HRV starting out at a certain place when you go to sleep. And if you get a good night's sleep, it has risen pretty significantly, 10 to 20 points overnight. Your LF and HF should improve. And so you can actually see um, if your sleep pattern, if your sleep quality is rejuvenating your nervous system. Oh, wow. So you can actually see it in real time, your body repairing itself. Yes. Turning the, yeah. turning the yeah. thing around. Wow. Unless yeah. you get woken up by that annoying strap hitting you if you're tossing and turning. Well, see, that's, well, that's where the use, health patch comes. That's what I was going to say. Patch. Patch. So oh. you just, I put it around just under my breast um, on the rib cage. You don't know it's there. Yeah, I've forgotten that mine's on there and like jumped in the shower and what the hell's that? <laughs> so listeners, yeah. this is like a freestanding uh, sticky uh, implement that you can place onto your skin instead of using the traditional strap around the chest heart rate strap. And it, it gives all kinds of data. It's really like the next step up in high tech. Well, it's um, truly a medical grade about, device yeah. too. It's like, it's, it's measuring everything. It measures uh, steps. It measures respiration. It measures skin steps. temperature. It That's measures great. calories burned. It measures activity in G's. So you can see how hard you're pounding that pavement if that interests you. Um, yeah, and it's an accurate calorie burn, by the way, for folks who are, you know, really trying to, to manage their weight and, and, and figure out how much they can be eating versus what their normal exercise is. You can't trust the gym equipment. No. It's just, you know, I, I used the health patch on the elliptical at the gym just to see. And so I did an hour of a good workout and it, the patch said I burned about 410 calories and the elliptical machine said I burned 650. Oh, bummer. So, it was. Yeah. <laughs> so for folks who are really trying to manage that balance, that's 200 calories. Yeah, it's significant. It is significant, especially when you're, you know, trying to change your, 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 your diet and your lifestyle. Um, day to day, really starting to cut back, you kind of get hungry and that's 200 calories is a lot. Mm-hmm. Um, so you need to know that. Uh, so guys, let's say that the 
listener is extremely intrigued now and wants to get started, can we do a step-by-step process to get going? So the first step, let's assume that you have a iPhone yeah. and that you can you, just go grab this app really easily. Android um, actually, folks, you'll have to wait a little bit longer. It's yeah, coming, bummer. though. Yes, says the, it's coming. As I was saying, the guts are working. The calculations are in. Now we just have to make it pretty. So you have to go get the strap first and tell us about what kind of Yeah, so I, I recommend for everybody uh, to go. So first of all, you need an iPhone, um, iPad, or iPod Touch, fourth generation or, or newer, preferably fifth generation because it has the Bluetooth. Yeah. Um, and then go to uh, beathealthy.com. That's B-E-A-T, like a heartbeat. So beathealthy.com. And then go look uh, under uh, supported devices and supported heart rate monitors because you want to select one that we've tested, okay, for a couple of reasons. Um, One is that not all Bluetooth heart rate monitors provide the necessary RR intervals, Mm. okay? Um, Also, we want to make sure that it's reasonably accurate, um, so the ones that we put on our, our website, which we have, you know, Polar, Garmin, um, we've got the Wahoo, we've got the Zephyr and the Beats, you know, you, you'll see. We support most of them, the Viva, um, and uh, buy one of those. And then just go to, and also check out the health packs, by the way. For those of you who are sort of early adopters and don't mind spending a little extra money for the new cool gadget, the health patch is really, really awesome. It is super um, cool. I was part of yeah. the beta testing of that one, and I uh, actually hoarded a few of them. I've been holding on to them because they're so cool. Yeah, they're totally <laughs> cool. Then just go to the App Store and download Sweet Beat Life. Um, right. So I went on to Amazon, got the Polar H7, Polar mm-hmm. being the leading uh, heart rate monitoring company for since 1985. Yeah, they were the people that first started with um, you know being able to measure heart rate wirelessly. So the athletes back in the old days loved the polar heart rate monitors, right, and right. they're still leading the the field there. So you get the nice H7 strap from them. It's about uh, 50, 60 bucks, I think, on Amazon. Mm-hmm. And then you go to the App Store and pick up Sweet Beat Life. Uh, and you're you're almost ready to go. We're gonna keep going with the step by step now. Okay. And so Sweet Beat Life. Ha- so what you do is basically open the app, go to settings, and pair your heart rate monitor. And it's pretty straightforward once you go to settings within the app, not the Apple settings, the Sweet Beat Life settings. Okay. Pair your heart rate monitor, and then you just go to the monitor screen and hit start. And it'll offer you three options. One will be monitor stress. And that's really what you want to do sort of while you're sitting at your desk or driving, or if you want to get a really good feel for what your nervous system's doing, you'll do a minimum of a five-minute session in Mm. the monitor stress piece, okay? That's interesting. So if you're checking your stress, you want to make sure that it's five minutes or more. But if you're checking your HRV for recovery, that can be three minutes. Yes. So that's um, your other options when you hit the start button is what's called HRV for training. And that's the measurement we've been talking about during this uh, podcast of the three-minute measurement in the morning. So you'll basically put on your chest strap or your patch, if you're really cool, um, while you're laying in bed. Do it while you're not thinking about your day, so you're not stressing. And then you just hit start, HRV for training, and then just relax in bed. And it will run for three minutes and then stop. 
Okay. And what you'll end up with is after a few days, you'll start to see your, your reference line, if you will, and you'll have what's called the HRV for training result. And it's a graph showing your reference line and your HRV for that day, as well as uh, previous days. And it will tell you whether your uh, HRV is, uh, has recovered. And so it'll recommend uh, workout as usual. Or if your HRV has not recovered, um, on the first day, it will recommend a low exertion day. And if two days in a row, you still have not recovered, we recommend a rest day. Yeah, I and love so that this is just that sort of, feedback. That's yeah, so it's so really handy. sort of a, and this is all based, by the way, on, on some clinical research. So um, it's backed up by science. <laughs> by science, everyone. Science. And uh, so. Let's, uh, let's try to get that baseline going um, over a few weeks, you think, to really uh, make sure that we're getting a nice representative starting point? Yeah, the algorithm is uh, 10 days to get your real solid uh, reference line. Um, and then from there on, it's a 10-day running window. And once again, this is based on the clinical research. So we went ahead and followed their guidelines. Nice. I didn't um, know that. 10 days. Yeah. It's a 10-day. Once you hit 10 days, then it's a 10-day running window to create that reference line, you know, the orange line. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. Yeah. I feel like when I first got this thing, I was kind of... Uh, in an overtrained state and, and delivered some uh, morning readings where my low frequency was uh, was predominant over my high frequency. My high frequency numbers were really low. And then as I started to feel better and, and get, uh, you know, recovered from a period of stressful training, for example, um, the, um, the graph numbers of LF and HF started to line up better. So I could see in a, in a, in a broad view uh, the big picture of, hey, here's this guy who's recovering and getting back to, um, you know, optimal state over a few weeks time, but it, it took a while. So I'm still, I'm still building that baseline. And now I'm into this thing for six weeks or seven weeks. And so I, I want the listeners to realize that you make a commitment to this type of uh, measuring, it's going to change your life. And it's going to absolutely kick your, your training and your stress management to the next level. So um, you, you forgot to mention that you're going to be out all of $10 when you download this app, which is probably the, the biggest bargain on the entire app store out of 3 million apps. <laughs> <laughs> Thank you. It is. <laughs> There's a lot of engineering effort in that app, even though it looks so straightforward. Yeah. Tell us, Rhonda, how you guys got into this game. I mean, uh, as we know, like HRV has been used in hospital clinical setting for many, many years. And right. um, I read somewhere that uh, it was the, the Eastern Bloc countries that started doing this on athletes yes. many yes. years ago. Sort of in the, yep. Yeah. So what happened from there to the point where now we have it at our fingertips with uh, individual use being affordable and easy? Yeah, no. So, uh, I'm an electrical engineer and I did video and graphic chip design for 25 years. Hmm. And then one day I was just kind of done. And so I went to graduate school and got my master's degree in holistic psychology. And so that sort of led me into wanting to do something different. I'd always want to do something that helped people. And, you know, graphics chips are fun, but, you know, there's really no uh, value in helping people per se in the way that, that this app does. And so in graduate school, you, we spent three years learning about our own inner state. And, you know, in order to improve the world, we have to start with ourselves. 
Okay. And to, to start with ourselves, because the brain's the giant pattern matcher it is, it's comfortable with something, even if it's dysfunctional, if it's familiar. Mm. Um, I thought I want to develop something that lets people have objective measurement of their inner state. And so once I decided to do that, I was in the park and ran into a good friend of mine, Joe Beth Dow, who had just left her job. And okay, we're doing it. And then shortly thereafter, I ran into Donna Lever, our other co-founder, who I went to undergraduate school with, who's also an engineer, and she wanted to join too. And then the rest is history. So we really created it to help people have an objective measure of their inner state so that, that they can do real improvement. You know, just sticking with that objective measurement of the inner state, I think we'd be remiss if we didn't spend a little more time talking about the stress measurement. Like I think we've we've talked a lot about the HRV for uh, for training and recovery, but there is that one setting where you can turn it on. Like I like to do it actually when I'm working at a client's office and I'm sitting at the desk answering email, getting orders barked at me, and and just seeing how my personal response is or my inner state is responding to what is happening to me, and seeing if I can improve on that. that that's excellent. We've got some. We're working with some folks to. Um, Look at learning how you're responding to things at work, okay? Putting it on while you're sitting at your desk. And here's my famous story, but I'll repeat it here because it's important. Um, I was running a strep monitor stress session while I was working at my desk, and suddenly my phone's buzzing at me, and I look over, and I'm on the, the stress alert, okay? Oh, so it's gone so to I, the red section It of had the gone into alert. red, and then I programmed it to alert me, and... I realized my shoulders were hunched up. My face was an inch from the screen because mm. the browser didn't load when I thought it should. <laughs> okay. I'm, I'm latency sensitive. If it's always three seconds, I want it to be three. If it's mm. always 10, 10 good as long as it's always 10. And so what I did was learn this one behavior that was completely subconscious. I had no idea I was doing it. Um, and by changing that one behavior, I eliminated a lot of stress in my life because every time a browser didn't load, I was hunching up and going into fight or flight. Yeah. Now, a friend of mine did the same thing with, uh, he has a very long commute every day. It's a 45 minute each way commute and he'd put on the heart rate strap, turn on the stress measurement and anytime somebody would cut him off or he'd be stuck in, in a traffic jam for any time, he'd just keep an eye on it and do some deep breathing while he was seeing his, he'd see it go up like from green to yellow or yellow to orange or whatever. And he just tried to bring it back down, actively paying attention to it. And he, uh, he just feels better about his morning commute now. It's <laughs> just fantastic. Great, yeah. It's one of our recommended use models because it's these daily stressors that we actually have control over, um, that build up through our lifetimes to that contribute to even healthy people having health issues in midlife. Mm-hmm. It's these daily things that we don't even think about that one exit on the freeway that always backs up. And every day <laughs> you go into stress mode. I think I've heard you refer to it as the father-in-law syndrome. Oh, there you go. <laughs> <laughs> the high maintenance boyfriend measurement there you go. Yep. on the graph. Yep. Yep. Yeah. So uh, Rhonda Collier from Sweetwater Health, thank you so much for joining us. I really I thought this went extremely well and it had so many interesting insights. Some of them were asides and it might be one of those shows where you have to, as you mentioned one time, Brock, rewind and listen to it again. But it really it painted a great picture of just how important 
and useful this tool of heart rate variability measuring is, as well as all the other features of the app. So, listeners, I hope you can get started on this program and uh, uh, in- enjoy it, and we'll we'll bring you back for another follow-up with you two guys, since you guys are hitting it hard on the front lines. Doing my best representing the people. I really appreciate it. Yeah, I had a great time t- chatting with you guys. Okay, thank you so much for listening. We look forward to hearing from your questions. You can go on speakpipeblog.primalblueprint.com, and if we get a ton of follow-up, we'll have a nice show set up for maybe a little more detailed discussion about some of these measurements. But for now, this is Brad Kearns for Brock Armstrong and Rhonda Collier on the Primal Blueprint Podcast. Safeguard your health with the most comprehensive all-in-one nutritional supplement on the planet. Primal Nutrition's Damage Control Master Formula. Forget mixing and matching with multiple bottles of individual agents. Now you can just take a single packet of the most potent and optimally balanced multivitamin, multimineral, antioxidant formula available on the market. You'll enjoy complete immune system, cardiovascular, memory, nerve, bone, liver, and anti-stress support, and much more. With 51 research-proven ingredients, Damage Control Master Formula helps you combat oxidative damage in every cell and every system in your body and shore up any dietary shortcomings with complete protection. Order Damage Control Master Formula today at PrimalBlueprint.com and check out the incredible free shipping offer for our convenient and custom-designed auto-ship program.